Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. This morning we're going to go out and we're going to go out in a blaze of glory today, all right? If you hadn't been with us, we've been walking through Joshua chapter 24, the last chapter in the book of Joshua. And just to catch you up, you all know that this is kind of his farewell letter. Um, He's going to die today. (laughs) We get to hear that. Um, I don't know why I even laughed about that, but we did. (laughs) So he's going to pass away today. But what he's been doing this entire time through 24 is preparing the children of Israel to do ministry in his absence, how they're going to continue to move forward. So I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 24, and we're going to jump right in because there's a lot of ground to cover this morning. Um, We're going to just read verses 29 through 31 to start with. It says, it came about after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died. I told you. Being 110 years old, and they buried him in the territory of his inheritance in Timnasserah, which is in the hill country of the Euphrates on the northern part of Mount Gash. Verse 31, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua. And they had known all the deeds of the Lord, which which he had done for Israel. There's three things that we're gonna take away from just those few verses that I think still hold true for all of us. And so I'm gonna share three facts with you that we're gonna take from today and and we're gonna see how those apply to us. And it's not rocket science when we unpack these three truths. All right, are you ready for these? So if you're writing notes, if you wanna take notes, you wanna start right here. Number one, the first truth to take from it, you will die. Unless the Lord comes back, every person in this room, you will die. Number two, you will influence. And number three, you will be influenced. So there you have it. You're gonna die, you're gonna influence, and you're gonna be influenced. But there's one thing that I really want us to focus on that we wanna pay attention to, and it takes place in what we read in verse 29. It came about after these things. You're gonna hear the phrase, these things a lot this morning. We're not really gonna move past these things. But what we can notice, what we can recognize is that these things represent what Joshua did while he was here on earth. And so while we think about these things in the life of Joshua, this is something that we all have in common with Joshua. We all have these things. We all have a limited time here on earth to do whatever it is that God has called us to do. Every person in scripture, every person here today, we all have this in common, that we all have a limited time to influence. 
We all have a limited time here on this earth to do whatever it is that God has called us to do. And there's many examples throughout the scripture that we can look at. I want you to look on the screen just at some of these passages that, that, that talk about this. Job chapter 14, verse five is the first one. It says, since his days are determined, the number of his months is with you and his limits you have set to set so that we cannot pass. Look at the next verse. Psalms chapter 90. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years or due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. For soon it is gone and we fly away. The next one, James chapter four, verse 14. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And then lastly in this section, man is like a mere breath and his days are like a passing shadow. And so we see very clearly, we could go on and on and find more text where it talks about this, that where we all have limited time, but I don't want you to feel too bad this morning because even Jesus, the son of God, was limited to the time that he had to influence in his fleshly body here on earth. And we read about that in John chapter nine, verse four. You can see it on the screen that we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. We all have a limited time here on earth. So to sum all of this up, the reality is this. Are you ready? 10 out of 10 people will die. And I know you're going, man, this is the most encouraging sermon I've heard all day. And as a result of that, I'm gonna ask the band to come on back out. We're gonna give a response. Tim McGraw, live like you were dying. <laughs> Felt like it was appropriate, right? But while we laugh about that, while we talk about that, what I, what I don't wanna get hung up on is, is the fact that it is all gonna come to an end. It will. But what I wanna focus on today is what are you gonna do while you're here? What are you going to do while you are here? These things that we read about in verse 29, these things is in reference to what Joshua did while he was here. So just to share just a highlight reel of what Joshua did, there's four things that I wanna point out just very briefly. Number one, Joshua lived out his faith in God. He brought Israel from the wilderness to the promised land. When the spies returned back and from the promised land, they said, there's no way, they're, they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. There's no way that we can overtake this promised land. But Joshua believed and trusted in God. And according to what he reads in Numbers chapter 14, he says, the Lord is with us and we don't have to fear them. And so Joshua lived out his faith in God. Secondly, Joshua devoted himself to the word of God. Joshua chapter one, verse seven, basically he says, don't turn to the right or to the left. Let's be true to what the word of God says. So he was devoted to the word. Thirdly, as Joshua was devoted to prayer. Joshua chapter seven, I love what it said, and I've never read this before, but it, it said that him and the elders, listen, they put dust on their heads. What that resembles is they were on their face before a holy and a righteous God pleading on behalf of the children of Israel. What would it look like if we had dust on our heads 
praying for our children, praying for this next generation. So Joshua was devoted to prayer. But then also Joshua praised God for all the victories. In Joshua chapter eight, we read that he offered a burnt offering and a peace offering. And all of that was in the midst of a battle. He offered praise to God, even in the midst of the battle. So these things that Joshua has done, the things that Joshua is responsible for is he lived out his faith, he was devoted to the word, he was devoted to prayer, and he praised God for the victories. We could go on and on about the things that Joshua did. These things. But what we're gonna recognize and what we're gonna take note of today is how these things influenced the next generation. How these things had an impact on the children of Israel in his absence. Look at verses 31 of chapter 24. It says, Israel served the Lord. Now keep in mind, this is after Joshua has passed away. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua. And they had known all the deeds of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. So the influence that Joshua left behind was very clear. They served the Lord under his leadership and they knew the works of the Lord and they knew all that God had done. So the sobering thought is this. You do realize that every person in this room, you're living in your these things moment. We are currently living out these things. This is where we all are. We're stuck in this these things moment right now, right where we're at. But the question that I want to pose to you is this. What things are going to continue in your realm of influence when you're gone? What things are going to continue in your realm of influence in your absence? Because the truth is, is a result of these things in your life, they're either gonna influence people to serve the Lord or to serve themselves. It's that simple. How you're influencing people right now is, is teaching them to either serve the Lord or to serve their flesh. And as we've said so many times, every person in this room, God has given you a realm of influence. No matter how small, no matter how big, but God has entrusted you with a realm of influence. Maybe it's the people you work with. What would you pass down to them that they would continue on in your absence? Maybe for the teenagers, it's those people who are on, the, on their team. Who you play ball with? For all of us, we all have a realm of influence in our family. Whether it be in our immediate family or extended family. Moms and dads, you all have a realm of influence with your kids. 
And so while we talk about these several areas, these are very obvious. And even right now, as I'm sharing those, you're going, okay, that's what God's entrusted me with. God's entrusted me with this. God's entrusted me with that. I was so encouraged Wednesday night when, when I was able to watch a, a school teacher stand on this stage and to see the influence that he has in a middle school and to see how many kids are coming back from their high school because of the influence that this teacher has had. And we can only hope that his influence is gonna repeat itself. That's what we long for. That's what we, we wanna see. But, but every person in this room, we have that realm of influence, no matter how small or how great. And you can even in your mind right now go, okay, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I know, that's, that's the platform God's given me. Yeah, that's another one that God's given me. And while many of those are very, very obvious, there's something that the, that the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week. And, and this is something that I think we need to be very, very cautious of. While we know that our realm of influence in some cases is very obvious, What's interesting is we just read in verse 29 that Joshua dies. So the book of Joshua, Joshua obviously gets credit for penning this entire book. But prior to verse 29, Joshua dies. So the way my little mind works is I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, he just died. Who wrote these last few verses? And so I begin to study, God, who in the world wrote these? This dude's dead, like, who finished this book? I didn't know that that was up for like a big debate among a bunch of scholars. And so as I started studying, there's a lot of disagreements. There's a lot of, of, of speculation of who finished the book of Joshua, or who wrote just this very small section of Joshua chapter 24, some of the scholars be believe that it is Eleazar, one of the high priests that you actually read about in the very last verse. Some scholars believe it was Phineas, and some other scholars believe that it was just people who witnessed what Joshua did, the life that Joshua lived out. And so as I was sitting there praying like, okay, God, I get it, but this isn't really helping me. He said, oh, yes, it does help you. Because while we know that we have a realm of influence, and in many cases, it's very obvious. What we recognize by these last few verses is that Joshua was influencing people, and we don't even know who they were. And so as a follower of Christ, let's ask ourselves that question. Do you realize that you have a realm of influence that you may never know? Because as a follower of Christ, as we go through waters of baptism, as we declare and we wear this banner of Christ, can I tell you, in that moment, you put a target on your back and now you have a world watching. And a world is watching what kind of influence you have as a so-called Christian. I remember back a story when, when I was playing basketball in college. I was playing at North Georgia and we were down by one and I had the ball and I was coming down and I was about to dunk on somebody and I'm, I'm just kidding. That sounded a whole lot better than what I'm about to share with you. I knew that would get your attention. But no joking aside, we were down 
And I had the ball, obviously, as a little point guard. I'm bringing the ball up the floor and made a stupid mistake, turned the ball over. I may or may not have said something that was not pleasing to the Lord. I would say fill in the blank, but some of you may be very harsh. So anyway, just let your imagination go with that one. But see, the interesting thing is, is, is I know my mindset. I know how I'm wired. I don't like to lose at checkers. I told y'all that last week. You ask if my kids beat me at bowling. Heck no, they didn't beat me at bowling, right? And so I love to win no matter what the cost is. But I also know that a lot of times my flesh gets in the way when I want to win so bad. And so every game when I played at North Georgia, I always wore a WWJD bracelet on my ankle. And I thought, okay, this will remind me. This will remind me that I don't say bad words when I turn the ball over. Look, I had a bad problem of getting technical fouls all the time. And I was hoping that this thing would help out a little bit. So fast forward to the next morning and I'm in, I think my kinesiology class and my professor who also kept the clock at every home game, he says, hey, Brian, I want you to stay after class for just a minute. That was pretty normal because I was usually always behind or failing or something. I thought, okay, it's just another day. So Dr. Temples calls me over to his desk and he said, hey, uh, he said, what is that thing you wear on your ankle when you play basketball? You know, and with all the pride in the world, well, Dr. Temples, I'm super spiritual. What would Jesus do? And he said, you know what you said last night when you turned the ball over? <laughs> yeah, I do. He said, you had a whole gym watching. You had a whole gym listening. And I just want you to be careful because God has given you a platform that you have people watching that you don't even realize. And I don't want to turn this into something that's, that's legalistic, but what I'm trying to do is bring the, the, the weight of influence that we all have, no matter how big or how small. And yes, while that realm of influence may be very obvious, there's a lot of cases that that realm of influence, you have no idea who you're impacting. And we've got to be so very careful, just like Joshua. He's got, he's got people pinning things about him that he don't even know who they were. We don't even know who they were, but they were watching him. They wrote things to finish out this chapter. And so I want you to be very, very careful with the realm of influence that God has given you that you know about, but also with the one that you don't know about. And so while we look at the influence that Joshua has, it's, it's mind-blowing that it passed down to another generation. And so as we always talk about the influence that Joshua had as a leader, again, I began to pray and I was like, okay, God, I see that he was, he was very influential. And it was almost as if God said, yeah, but hold on. Yes, he was influential, but what you must realize is that influence all started somewhere. Because as we see that Joshua passes away, he dies, and he's given the title, the servant of the Lord. Do you realize that there was never a time in Scripture where Joshua was declared a servant of the Lord until he was gone, until he was dead? Now, he cried out to God, and he said, God, I'm your servant. But the people never talked about Joshua and called him a servant of the Lord until he was gone. 
So as he receives this, this label, this stamp of approval, when his life's over with, when his life is done, you got to think, well, where did all that start? What did he do in life to achieve such a label? I want you to flip back to Joshua chapter one, verse one. Joshua chapter one, verse one, it says this. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. That was Moses' title. That's what Moses was known as, a servant of the Lord. That the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. And whose servant was Joshua? He was Moses, his servant. He served Moses. So you say, well, what's the point? I get it, he served Moses, but then he lived a life under Moses' leadership, and then he led the children of Israel to the point in which he was given the title a servant of the Lord. But here's the point I wanna make. Before he influenced anyone, he had to be surrounded by the right influence. Before he influenced anyone, he had to be surrounded by the right influence. His ability to influence started out with who he was influenced by. His ability to influence anyone started out with who influenced him. Joshua knew Moses to be the servant of the Lord. Has it ever occurred to you that how you influence others is a direct reflection of who has influenced you? How you influence others is a direct reflection of who has influenced you. Now, maybe somebody's influenced you negatively and, and you've shifted gears along the journey and now you're leading in a different way than you were being led. But the beauty of it is it's still a result of who influenced you. Maybe you saw some places that some things needed changed. Some things needed to be tweaked. But at the end of the day, your influence is a direct reflection of who influenced you. And so the question that we've got to ask all of ourselves by those who are influencing us, are they influencing us to walk, talk, and love like Jesus? It's that simple. Are we surrounding ourselves with men and women who encourage us to walk, talk, and love like Jesus? Hebrews chapter 10, this is a passage that Jared shared several weeks ago. And we talked about this in our small group last Sunday night. But in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25, it says, and let us, the body of Christ, the believers, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the own assembling together as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the same, all the more, as you see the day drawing near. The people that are in our lives, that are influencing us, are they influencing you to serve others or to serve yourself? It's that simple. Are they, are they instilling in you that you exist to serve others? Or are they instilling in you that you exist to make yourself happy? 
The people that are influencing you, do they sow discord or do they sow unity? The people who are influencing you, are they building people up or are they tearing people down? When you leave people that are influencing you, do you feel encouraged or do you feel discouraged? Have you ever left a group of people or left a room or left a conversation where as a child of God, you walked away just feeling dirty, feeling discouraged, or just feeling negative? So the people of influence around you, how are they influencing you? And if they're influencing you to sow discord, if they're influencing you to tear people down, if they're influencing you to where you become discouraged, or if you leave them and you feel dirty, you feel nasty, you feel negative, can I tell you how to resolve this? See ya. It's that simple. That's what I loved about Wednesday night is the teacher stood here and he said, hey, you gotta pick who you surround yourself with. And the fact of the matter is, is if people are teaching and influencing us to feed our flesh other than feeding our relationship with Jesus Christ, can I tell you, get away. Cut people loose. Because remember, we've only got a short window. We've only got a short window. And as I've said so many times, I know we have this missional mindset and yes, I think we should all be going after all of those people who are sowing discord and all of those type things. But can I tell you, it's a whole lot easier to get pulled into a swimming pool than pull somebody out. And if you're not strong enough to pull somebody out, you better be careful because you're gonna get pulled in. And you're gonna jump right in and begin to participate in how you're being influenced. Church, we don't have time to mess around. And even as you're sitting there right now and you begin to evaluate those people who are influencing you, there's some people in in your life that you need to separate yourself from. That you need to cut loose. Now listen, I'm not saying you don't love them. I'm not saying that you don't continue to encourage them. But if you continue to be drugged down and they have more influence on you than you do them, cut it loose. Cut it loose. But you know, we also live in a day and age where we're not only influenced by people. We're influenced by a lot of things. We're influenced by songs, by things we read. We're influenced by the news. Look, I used to get up every morning and turn the news on. And my gosh, Instead of starting out on a high, I wanted to bang my head against the wall. So guess what I did? Stop watching the news. It's that simple. Cut it off. You're influenced by what you watch on TV. Moms and dads, be careful. The enemy is sneaky. 
He will sow sin in your child's mind before you even realize what he's up to. We won't even get started on the internet. But then one of the most heartbreaking things in the world that we're being influenced by, and you all know where I'm going next, is social media. I had a teacher and a coach stand here last Wednesday night and he said, TikTok's the stupidest thing on the planet. I paraphrase, but he pretty much said that. And so before we listen to anything, before we watch anything, before we like anything, before we follow anything, ask yourself the question, is what I'm about to indulge in gonna influence me to follow Jesus, to feed my relationship with him, or is it gonna feed my fleshly desires? It's one or the other. Moms and dads, and I've said this a million times from this stage, who your kid is following on social media is your business. We live in a culture where they tell you it's not. Well, if it's not your business, can I tell you the enemy's gonna love to make it his. You pay the phone bill, don't you? Maybe. But what we learn through this influence of Joshua is that before we can lead anyone, you've got to follow the right one. Before you can lead anyone, we've all got to learn to follow the right one. Moms and dads and Students and workers and co-workers, bosses, whoever you are, if you don't hear anything else I say today, please hear this. You can't lead anyone the way God has designed you to lead until you first learn to follow Christ. You can't lead anyone the way that God has designed you to lead until you first learn to follow Jesus Christ. Because when you learn to follow Christ, when you, when you trust him, when you surrender to him, you're given the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome all the influences of this world. It is something that he gives you. It's something that, that now resides in you. That you have the power to overcome all of the influences that are knocking down your door every single day. But can I tell you this? Jesus is the only one that we can fully trust to lead us to holiness and righteousness. Don't put your faith in man. Don't put your faith in a woman. Because the truth is, is human beings will let you down. Humans will disappoint you. And so we've got to make sure that we're always taking it back to following Christ. Allowing him to surround us with his people, but never taking our eyes off his leadership and what he's leading us to do. You know, when we talk about Joshua, you always 
look at it through the lenses of, of what a great leader he was, and rightfully so. But as we said a moment ago, that every even leader on this planet has a flaw. Every leader on this planet makes mistakes. And I noticed something this week as I was reading through these scriptures about Joshua ending his life coming to a close. But there's something that I also recognized as a result of his influence or the lack thereof. You see, we see a big, big change from Joshua chapter 24, verse 31, where the children of Israel, they knew the works of God. They knew all that God had done. And it said that the elders that survived him knew all of these things. But then just two chapters later in Judges chapter two, Judges chapter two, verse 10, it says this. And all that generation who were gathered to their fathers and then arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. So here we are in Joshua chapter 24. We're celebrating his influence. We're celebrating his leadership. Two chapters later, we realize that yes, this generation got it. But one generation later, they did not know the things of God. According to the scripture, they didn't even know the Lord. So you leave scratching your head. Well, what in the world went wrong? What in the world went wrong in such a short amount of time that just one generation later, they have forgotten all that God has done? When we think back through the Old Testament, we always read and we see where leaders were always replacing themselves. Leaders were always replacing themselves. And, and we can go through the script of several of, of these guys that were taking place in the Old Testament. You had Abraham, you had Isaac, then you had Jacob, then you had Joseph, then you had Moses, then you had Joshua, then you had, then you had, there's not one. There's not one. And you say, well, but Brian, when you read in, in Judges chapter one, it, it talks about Judah. But what you must understand, Judah is not an individual. Judah is a tribe. Judah is a large group of people. But what we see in Joshua's example is where he failed as a leader is he didn't reproduce himself in that one person. He didn't bring somebody alongside to disciple. He didn't bring somebody alongside that he could pass the baton to, to where they too could be called a servant of the Lord. And this takes us to our mission statement. You couldn't tee it up any better. This is the very reason that our mission statement here at Chestnut Mountain Church is this, to saturate the world by making disciples. By making disciples. It's what Jesus commands us to do in the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. 
Jesus lived this out with his disciples. He was intentional with these men that he walked with every single day. He lived it out. He taught them. But he also, we see that he never asked anyone to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. He's telling them, go make disciples. And they realize, hey, that's what he's done in us. He's made disciples in us. And so we have to ask the question individually to yourself. Who are you intentionally walking with? Who are you intentionally walking with? And when you're gone, will they know God? And will they know the things of God? Who are you bringing alongside? Because listen to this very, very eye-opening statistic. In 1972, 92% of Americans said that they were Christians. But by 2070, now I know you're thinking, 2070, that's an awful long time away. Somebody asked the question yesterday, they said, 20 years ago, would you have ever thought that 20 years ago would have fell in 2003? Like when I hear 20 years ago, I'm still thinking like 1980, 1970, but we're like still, 20 years ago, we're still in 2000. So in 2070, that number will drop to well below 50%. The number of religiously unaffiliated Americans, or as they call themselves, nuns, N-O-N-E-S, will outnumber those adhering to Christianity. And we gotta ask ourselves, what went wrong? What will go wrong between now and 2070? Yeah, and the truth is, is probably the large majority of us won't be here in no 2070. But our kids will be. Our grandkids will be. Can I tell you, this statistic is not a result. It will not be a result to churches closing. It will not be a result to not doing church events. But it will be a direct result of this. Born again, men and women of God are too busy to make disciples. Let me read that one more time. That statistic dropping to below 50% of Americans will claim to be Christian will not be a result of churches stop meeting, of VBSs, of big events, but it will be a direct reflection of born again men and women being too busy to make disciples being too busy to influence the one. You know, but what's heartbreaking is this. There's no doubt in my mind, the next generation is gonna be smarter than we are. They'll probably be wealthier than we are. 
they'll probably be stronger than we are. The next generation will probably be the most athletic generation you've ever seen. But at the end of the day, do they know God and know the things of God? Because all that other stuff, it ain't gonna amount to anything. So here's the takeaways from this morning. Here's what I think we all can respond to today. We'll just start out with the hardest first. You need to evaluate who's influencing you. You know, the truth is, is if they know you struggle with something, they're not gonna expose you to it if they love you. So do you need to evaluate those who are influencing you? There's gonna be some you need to cut. And there's gonna be some you need to cling to. The second thing I think we can respond to this morning is to ask ourselves another question. Who am I influencing and how? Moms and dads, if, if how you're influencing your children repeats itself, will they be living a life that's glorifying God or will they be living a life that's living in this world? Or maybe the last response today is, is realizing that you can't lead anyone the way God's designed you to lead them until you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Before you can learn to lead, you gotta learn to follow. And maybe today you've tried everything in leadership you know to do, to lead your family, to lead your workplace, to lead those that God is allowing you to lead or influence. And it just keeps hitting a brick wall. Examine your relationship with him. Are you following him? Are you being led by the spirit? Are you being led by the flesh? And so this morning, I, I know that the response to this is, it's kind of sobering because I think we can all realize that we can look through our life and we can see people that we probably need to separate ourselves from. And can I tell you, when you begin to separate yourself from people who are pulling you down, just go ahead and buckle your chin strap because persecution's coming. It just, it is what it is. But that's the cost of taking up your cross and following him. Again, Jesus is never gonna ask anything of us that he wasn't willing to do himself. He was rejected by the very people that he was sent to die for. But he loved them anyway. Or maybe today you can examine your influence and you can say, oh my gosh. I have fallen flat on my face to leading my family. I've fallen flat on my face in leading my wife and leading my kids. I've fallen flat on my face of, of leading those people at my work. Can 
And I tell you, the best place to start is get a little dust on your head and beg God for forgiveness. Or maybe today is the day you need to trust in following Christ as your Lord and Savior. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.